Good morning, and wherever you are, know that the Spirit of God is with you, and we are all God's children, so welcome home in the midst of the Spirit of God. May we center ourselves in God's presence with a few deep breaths. Let us worship the living God. Will you join with me in the call to worship? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us. Let us pray together. Almighty teacher, teach us your ways today. Help us turn the other cheek when we are wronged and do so without bitterness. Inspire us to give to those in need and do so without resentment. Turn our hearts that we may learn how to love our neighbor even those with whom we find disagreement. Teach us and show us the way of holiness, that we may be a holy people. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. 
Friends, we just prayed to be without bitterness, without resentment. But know that even when we may not achieve those goals, we are loved unconditionally by God. In Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. We are made new. This is the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. We share our joys and concerns so that we might grow tighter as a community and so that we might practice bringing everything we have and offering it to God in prayer. You are invited now then to open your hearts, to share what you're carrying, whether it's on the screen or out loud with those that you may be viewing this service or by journaling or whatever helps bring things to light for you. I invite you first to turn your heart and your mind to that for which you are grateful, for people, for experiences, for blessings unexpected and expected. I invite you to open yourself and to share, if you'd like, places in your life or places in the world that need your attention, that need our collective attention and care, that need the healing touch of God. Finally, I invite you to share or call to mind ways in which you will show up, ways in which you want to be in the world in the coming days, the bit of the resurrection that you will model in your life. Now, having shared what brings us great joy, what causes us concern, and who and what we want to be in the world, let us turn to God and to one another in shared prayer. Holy One, for this holy moment, we give you thanks for the gift of everything. Of all that we have, we praise your name. And we pledge not to take for granted what has been so graciously given. We give to you all that weighs us down, all that causes us concern, not that we might wash our hands of our responsibility, but that we might be freed up to labor in strength and in community and in confidence that through your spirit we can make a difference. And oh God, in prayer we ask for your Holy Spirit to help us show up in the world as people of the resurrection, proclaiming and embodying life out of death. We pray these things and we pray all things in the name of Jesus the Christ who taught us to pray. 
saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our first scripture reading today is from the book of Leviticus. Listen to how the Spirit may be speaking to you through these words today. Anyone who kills a human being shall be put to death. Anyone who kills an animal shall make restitution for it, life for life. Anyone who maims another shall suffer the same injury in return, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The injury inflicted is the injury to be suffered. One who kills an animal shall make restitution for it, but one who kills a human being shall be put to death. You shall have one law for the alien and for the citizen, for I am the Lord your God. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, and they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him to death. The people of Israel did as the Lord had commanded Moses. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Please listen to what the Spirit may be saying to us. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect. That's the hard part, isn't it? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Somewhere in heaven, there is a murderer. You probably didn't join us to worship today to hear that, so I'm sorry, but that's really the only logical conclusion that we can draw from these passages. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Uh, you know, when Jesus hung on the cross, you may not know this, one of the few things that he said while hanging there, others overseeing his murder. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They're 
faith be probably is more than one murder in heaven. This is the second week of a series we've begun called the so-called, quote-unquote, Christian values. And last week, Rob started us off talking about forgiveness. And this week, we want to talk about grace, which is sort of the next step after forgiveness. Grace, as was explained to me, is sort of forgiveness plus something else. Um, and, and grace is also countercultural. It, as weird as that may sound, it, there's a reason that it makes us uneasy to hear that there is a murderer in heaven. That doesn't sit right. Like, bad people, quote unquote, shouldn't be there. It's countercultural because that's not what we teach to our children. We don't necessarily teach them grace. We teach them the value of hard work. We teach them grit. We teach them that you have to work for something. You're, and that's for good reason. Your paycheck didn't come to you as an act of grace, did it? You earned it. When you win a tennis match, you didn't win it as an act of grace. You, you earned it. When teams compete for championships and they win trophies, they didn't get it as an act of grace. They competed and they earned it. When your kids get a grade, they've earned that grade. And granted, some teachers are more gracious than others. And I needed a lot of gracious teachers in my life. Maybe that's where I first started learning about grace. But grace is countercultural in some ways. And that is, therein lies the problem. Once you begin to earn something, you cannot have grace. Earning and grace are incompatible with one another. You know, I do imagine what it would have been like uh, in the first century. You know, Jesus is bringing all these new teachings into the world. You know, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, uh, Love your friends and hate your enemies. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You've heard all these things, but I'm telling you something different. And I can only imagine what it would have been like for those first century people, if I had gone back in time to the first century and lived then, what it would have been like to have gone to heaven at that time. I imagine it would be something like a high school reunion. You know, there are the people who have RSVP'd for the high school reunion, and you know who to expect, and you see them there, you see them in heaven, and I knew you would be here. And then there are other people who RSVP'd, but they didn't show up, and you don't see them in heaven, and you know, I wonder what happened here. And then there are the other people who they did not RSVP, at, to the high school and you didn't expect to see them in heaven, but there they are. And you get a little apprehensive of being around them. I wonder what it would have been like in that first century to have these expectations of who would be in and who would be out and to get there and recognize that much of what you thought may have been wrong. You know, you get there and, and, and I'm there and Jesus meets me, Jeff, oh, it's so great to see you. Yeah, it's good to, I'm glad I made it, I guess. I don't know what I would say. And Jesus is showing you around. Well, you know, here's the kitchen and the buffet. There's the park over there. Here's the bathroom. You're going to need to know where that is because you're going to be here a long time. 
you know, and it starts introducing you to people. And, and this is Micah. You remember Micah? Micah, ah, oh, I love your writings. It's so great to finally meet you in the flesh or whatever this is you're made of now. I don't know, we're in heaven. And Jesus introduced you to other people. And oh, Mary, Mother Mary, it's so good to see you. I've heard so much about you. And Jonah, Jonah, you know, Jonah, I gotta say, I wasn't quite sure you'd be here. And then to start meeting the people that you really did not think were going to be there. First century, seeing these people that were considered outsiders, now insiders into the family of God. Let me introduce you to some other people here, Jeff. Whoa, Jesus. Do you see who that is over there? Why is he here? Who, who are you talking about? I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I know everybody that's here. That... Uh, isn't that Saul? Saul? Yeah, yeah, isn't that Saul right there? He's the killer. Like King Saul? No, 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 that's not King Saul. He's way too short to be King Saul. No, no, Saul. Like I saw him there when, when Stephen was killed, when they stoned him to death. Like Saul was there telling them to do it. Why is he here? Like he was trying to kill all of us. And well, you know, about that, I kind of had an intervention into his life. That's why we changed his name to Paul. I said, you know, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting me and all my, all my children? And he stopped. And you won't believe this, but he actually wrote. If you like Micah and Jonah's writings, he actually wrote what will become a lot of the Bible. That guy, that guy wrote it can't believe that. That I'd like to see. Well, yeah, you should actually read some of it. And you should read it for all the people here watching. This is from Galatians, uh, Ephesians, rather, chapter 3. As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. Wait a minute, Jesus. So what you're telling me, what he is that he's right, that people like him get to come to heaven like people like me and you? Yeah, I've always said you're all God's children. That's pretty convenient for him, isn't it? Just keep reading, Jeff. Just keep reading. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. It's a surprise to me, too. <laughs> when it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. I will agree with him on that. God saw to it that I was equipped but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. 
And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. I got to be honest, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of potential. <laughs> if that was the first century, imagining what it would be like to get to heaven and to see everyone there, uh, people that you didn't expect. What would it be like today? Because today's world, many religions, uh, many things that you may have heard have taught us that some people get in, some people don't. Some people that you love may not have got in. What kind of anxiety would that bring along? You come into heaven again it's sort of this high school reunion kind of thing where you're looking for your friends and dara it's so good to see you young how are you oh man yeah i grew my hair out for the it's actually why i'm here uh, my wife killed me because i told her i wasn't going to cut my hair until the end of the coronavirus and so i'm dead <laughs> After a while, you start wondering where some of your friends are. Because your religion told you that some people aren't going to make it. You check in your watch. Man, where are they? Where is Taylor? It's been like a whole day. And they told me a day was like a thousand years here. Is that no, 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 no. That's just a myth. A day is a day. So, all right, well, I'll just take my time. You know, Taylor is always late to things anyway. Oh, yeah, you're right. He was always late. You check in your watch. You're like, gosh, man, it's been like a whole year, you know. In like 10 years, 20 years. Man, where is, where are they at? Well, you know, I heard that uh, they, they got like really earthy. So it's probably going to take them a while. They got really healthy. What are you, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, man. Taylor got all into like yoga and eating salads. They're like on this strict plant-based uh, vegetable diet. Plant-based diet? Man, last time I was with them, they gave me these chocolate brownies that were, Jeff, 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 Jeff. Chocolate brownies. It was a plant-based diet. Oh, yeah, I guess, I guess that explains uh, why I felt a little funny after that. <laughs> I kid, I kid. It's just fiction, just imagination. Afterwards, people start saying what was maybe really on their mind the whole time. Well, you know, they should have known better. I don't think they're going to make it. I tried telling them they should have shown some responsibility. <laughs> you know, we talk about grace, but we have such a difficult time applying it to our real world, our modern world. I would love to extend grace to you, but you see, we have a contractual obligation. It's, it's in the contract. I would love to extend grace to you, but it's not protocol. You see, you've done this, and so this is the next step in the plan. I would love to extend grace to you. It's not personal. It's business. It's not personal. It's business. If everyone would just take care of themselves and their own families, we wouldn't have these problems. I can't extend grace. You have to show some personal responsibility. I love that line Jesus says in the gospel text today. Give to anyone who begs. 
with all deference to our Lord and Savior, I think he missed the memo on personal responsibility there. Grace is a difficult thing to apply. We say that it's not personal, it's business, but that's the thing about grace. It's why that statement's true, because grace is extremely personal. It requires something of us to not merely forgive, but to give time, money, our pride, our sense of self, maybe. Grace costs us something. Grace costs Jesus Christ something, didn't it? Yesterday we were in Marin City, our youth group was. We've been helping uh, build a wheelchair ramp there in, at the Marin City Senior Center. And we always try to debrief these activities with our youth so that they can recognize that what we're doing is a living embodiment of Jesus Christ in the community. And as we were doing that, uh, Jim Arce, who has done so much to help us with this project, asked them, do any of you know the history of Marin City? And my ignorant self assumed that some of them did, none of them did. And so we went on to explain to them that during World War II, Kaiser and others had brought blacks from the Deep South to Marin City to help build ships for the war, for World War II. And after we won the war, we expressed our graciousness and our gratitude by saying to them, you can't have your union job anymore because you see, you're not white. And the land you're on, we would love for you to live here, but you see, this is white-only property. You can't own anything here. That the people of Marin City and their descendants would have nothing but indignation is a sheer act of grace. The Ms. Juanita and Keith and Lido and any of the other, and Jordan A and any of the people I have met there would extend grace to me, call me Brother Jeff, is a sheer act of grace. It is a grace that only can come from God. One of the main reasons we're there, it's not just to build a wheelchair ramp for them, like we have some sort of savior complex. It's that we as a youth group and as a church have a lot to learn about grace. And we learn it through these relationships. That's the wonderful thing about grace. Our God loves you the way you are. There, one of the earliest stories of grace in the Bible is about Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, uh, if you don't know, Jacob steals Esau's inheritance, which we are to assume is large. Goes on and starts a family of his own. Esau, so enraged by this, Joseph, Jacob runs away. Flees for 20 years starting that life of his own. Finally, so anguished, he seeks out his brother Esau. And what he asked for is not forgiveness for what he did. The Hebrew word there, which I won't try to pronounce because I can't, is a root word for our English word grace, which is this beautiful multi-layered word, this poetic word that means forgiveness, love, 
compassion and favor. Favor. He stole his brother's inheritance, came back and asked for a favor. Can you believe that? And the conversation they have, which you can read, it's pretty remarkable. I think it's Genesis chapter 33. They go back and forth trying to extend grace to one another. To extend a favor, not just forgiveness, but a favor. That is grace. When I was in college, I went to college for four and a half years. My last semester, I had run through most of my grants and scholarships, and I had a really hard time affording a place to live. And one of my friends, his name's Rick, he said, you can live with us. He had bought a townhome, and he had three other roommates, it's gonna be five guys living in this house. And, uh, you know, he actually shared a room with somebody so that we could make space for everyone. It, you know how that goes in college. You just put beds in rooms and you're like, that's a bedroom now. You know, that's, that's college. This bedroom has a kitchen and an oven and a stove and a sink, but it's a bedroom. This bedroom has a lot of people sitting around watching TV. You know, we made space. And he could have said, Jeff, I know you're working in ministry. I know you're doing a full-time job. I know you're working, donate plasma. I know you help your family financially, but I have bills to pay too. I'm a college student too. I have bills to pay. But he didn't say that. He extended a favor to me. Our God loves you just the way you are. We pray every week here, acknowledging and accepting God's forgiveness for the mistakes we make. None of us are perfect. We know that. And Jesus had this remarkable reputation for hanging around with all the riffraff, all the people who wouldn't feel comfortable in a place like this, all the people who would say things like, I can't go to church because God would strike me with lightning. Those were the people he hung out with. Those were the, that was one of the biggest complaints about Jesus Christ was the fact that he said, all of you, this mystery, this new order that all of you can have God's love. The ones who've heard of it or not, you all get God's love. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than God loves you now. What would it mean for us to extend that kind of grace to others? What would it mean for you to extend that grace someone? What would it mean for your family to be a family of grace, that when people come to your home or where your family attends an event in the community, people know that you will accept them entirely for who they are, whether they, no matter how well they know you, that you will extend favor to them. What would it mean for our church as the people of Westminster Presbyterian Church to be a people of grace. That when people see the logo on our shirts, when we're on a hike or when we're dropping off bag lunches or wherever we are and they say Westminster Presbyterian Church, what would it mean when the people of our community meet us knowing we are people of grace, that they will be accepted and included for who they are and extended favor? What would it mean for us as a community 
for those of us who have positions of responsibility and leadership in the community, what would it mean to push our leaders to make this a place of grace that extends favor? That carries some cost. You don't have to explain that to the people in Marin City. And perhaps I don't have to explain it to you because you are experiencing grace today. We love you just the way you are. And we believe in you. And God has given us all the gifts of life today. The air we breathe, the shelter we have, those who love you, they are gifts of grace. May we be people of grace in our community. Amen. Having been blessed by this sharing of the word and this worship service together, we respond in part by offering our gifts back to the church, back to God through the church. As you can see, and we have talked about week after week, there are several ways in which you can contribute to the church. We encourage you to fulfill your pledges. If you haven't made a pledge, but now feel in a position to do so, we would, have, of course, welcome that. And we know that you give in so many ways, not just of treasure, but of time and talent. And we're grateful for all of it. It's your generosity and the generosity of the Spirit that makes this ministry possible. I do invite you uh, to look through the bulletin uh, on the website, to look at your e-news, which comes out every week, and if you're not getting that, contact the church office, to see what's coming up, that you might take advantage of the many opportunities. We're offering many things still online for those unable to be present in person. Increasingly, we will also be hosting some things in person. So whether you're looking forward to an upcoming new member orientation, perhaps you're ready to join this community officially, there is an announcement about a May 2nd new member orientation. Maybe you're looking forward to the April 27th Women Connecting. Maybe you could be reminded about the podcasts we have, the many ways in which you can be blessed by the content coming out of this church in a lot of forms. Check out those announcements plug in more deeply, and just as importantly, if you're someone who's connected deeply to this church, make it a point to look around and notice the new faces you see, and reach out and get to know folks, help them feel welcome and more integrated into the life of the community. Know that if you're seeing this at home and you didn't know, we are worshiping in person as well, following all the recommended guidelines, so we'd love to see you here if that feels like that's appropriate for you, there's a sign up online. And now let's join together in a closing hymn. Our closing song is Your Grace is Enough. We're gonna go ahead and sing the verses, but you'll see the lyrics for the chorus on the screen, and we hope you will sing along with us, Your Grace is Enough.
And now, as you go from this place to the next, may you go basking in the great grace and love of our God and our Savior and the divine favor that has been bestowed upon you. And may we be a people of grace towards our neighbors and even our enemies. Amen.
skies for the love which from our birth over and around us lies lord of all to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise for the wonder of each hour of the day and of the night hill and vale and tree and flower sun and moon and stars of light lord of all to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise for the joy of human love brother sister parent child friends on earth and friends above for all gentle thoughts and mild lord of all to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise 